Shakes pals, welcome back to another episode of Protest Too Much. This week we've got some really exciting announcements, so I am just going to dive right into them. First of all, congratulations to Eleanor Wilkinson for surprising everyone with a Hermione win over Tamara for Best Mom. Uh, surprising no one. Honestly, those of you who voted for Tamara, email me if you're okay. Uh, let's chat. That is leading up to our best dad episode this week, which is going to be equally as awful. Um, but we've got Megan and Marquez from Avant Bard podcast, and they are wonderful, and you should listen to their show as well. So many shows for you to know and love. Also, we have our Patreon up and running. We've still got some stickers available to send to our patrons. So head on over to patreon.com slash p2mpod to see what waits for you. We are going to do a little bit of a preview for some of our video tier rewards this weekend. Um, so that'll be Saturday, February 13th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash srsbiz underscore network. I'm going to be doing some individual monologue works, finding some monologue for people for auditions, um, going through the editing process. So if you want to see what that is all about, come check us out. The link is also in the show notes. And then more streaming. We are doing, I'm so excited for this. Um, I'm on a talk show called In Addition with Emily Swan and we stream just about kind of everything and as we were chatting she's an artist and we kind of with our chat came up with this idea of sketching Shakespeare so we tested it out and it's one of the most fun things I have ever done I choose a passage from Shakespeare and as I read it and talk about it and talk about the show and context and all of that Swan just draws a comic of it and to get to see that work produced in real time is amazing. She answers questions about art and comics, and we've got a chat running. So if you have any questions, you can send them in and we will answer them. So that's going to be on twitch.tv slash Emily again, in the show notes. And if you want all of this, just make sure that you are following us on social media at P2MPod everywhere. It is the perfect place to make sure you're catching all of the announcements and events and streams happening because there's a lot and it's super exciting. We are gearing up for season three, our season of clowns. So if you want to see someone you love on this show, send us an email. Hit up protesttoomuchpod at gmail.com and be like, hey, get this person on your show. And I'll be like, all right. And it'll be good. Um, it'll be a great, it'll be a great little exchange. We would love to hear from you and we want to hear from you on what you want to see on the show. So make sure to reach out if you've got any thoughts, um, unless you just want to yell about how bad it is, I guess you're more than welcome. But if you've gotten three minutes into our introduction, I think that, I think we're doing okay. Um, as always, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share. We love you. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head-to-head -head each week, and you get to decide who wins. All right, so this week we are talking about best 
dad, the best dad in Shakespeare. And with me, I have Shakespeare nerds and podcasters, Megan and Marquez. Thank you both so much for being here. It is a delight to be here. Uh, Thank you for having us. <laughs> I know we're already laughing about like the idea of the possibility of having a best dad, but you two introduce <laughs> yourselves and what y'all do first. I am Marquez. And I am Megan. Uh, and we host the podcast Avant Bard. Which... Yeah, we, co- we look at adaptations of works inspired by William Shakespeare uh, or with him in it. Uh, that counts as inspired by. Yeah, I'll take it. And we, we look at it to see how it stands on its own and as adaptations. It's a very good podcast and y'all should take a listen because that rabbit hole of adaptations is something that I have fallen down for hours. So it's really fun. Uh-huh. I'm so excited to have you both on. Uh, and I'm so excited to yell about dads. So yeah. you each have your own pick, right? Yeah. Yes. All right, perfect. Uh, Megan, let's start with you. Who do you think is Shakespeare's best dad? So my choice may be a little controversial, but undoubtedly the best father in Shakespeare is Aaron the Moor from Titus Andronicus. You know what? I'm, I have thoughts on this and I'm going to save them for later, but I, <laughs> yes. Okay. And Marquez. Uh, I have chosen Falstaff from uh, Henry the fourth part one and part <laughs> two. Arguably not a dad, but well, a dad. <laughs> a daddy. Uh, no. Nope, I hate it. Um. <laughs> Mary Wives disagrees with you. Yes, Mary Wives definitely. Disagrees with you. Um, okay, so who do who do I think is the best dad in all of Shakespeare? Well, obviously, you think it's Prospero. Oh gosh, oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> well, think of him as a father, not as so a much father. as a, not so much as a colonizer. I mean. I wouldn't say Aaron's the best upstanding citizen, but he <laughs> And Falstaff definitely is not. Uh, okay. You know, you know what? I can I can make this work. Uh, we, um, we could we could also give you, you Polonius if you could you have want. Polonius if you I prefer. would rather I would rather prosper. <laughs> See, that's that. what we thought. Uh, I, I I could also give you the actual answer, but no. it's boring. Don't, I mean, that can't be argued. That's just going to be told. Okay, well, I mean, the answer is uh, Old Shepherd from Winner's Tale, who is Actually the, only, the best father. Only the only good guy, and he doesn't have a name, and he's just like, I found a baby. I'm going to raise <laughs> this baby as my own. That and- really shows what, what Shakespeare thinks about, you know, good father figures. Is, you Don't know, he's like, this name. one doesn't even have a name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, Too good. Not real. If, if you have a name, you gotta be bad. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be a wild ride. Um, Megan, why don't you go ahead and give us your argument for Aaron as Shakespeare's best dad? So we meet Aaron and Aaron is like, I care about nothing in the world. Just me, just screwing people over forget everyone else and then it's like by the way 
Tamara's baby is black. It, it's 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 your kid, and he's like, switch flips, and suddenly, the most important thing to him is this child. And if you think about a lot of dads in Shakespeare, especially if they were to have an illegitimate child. They would be like, ah, my shame, my horrible shame that, especially if it could get them killed, kill that child, get that child out of there, throw it in the woods, get it chased by a bear, anything. (laughs) Instead, he kills the nurse so that the nurse can't tell anyone because that would protect the child. He then says that anyone who touches his child will die upon his scimitar's point because he will protect that child with his life. And then when Lucius is like, you have to tell us and like, you're gonna die for it. He goes, I have so much I could tell you. I could tell you everything you ever wanted to know in the entire world about all the terrible things that have happened. And I will only tell you if you swear to me that this child will live and be happy. He gives his entire life, everything he's ever cared about to make sure that that child can live. And I think that's really the greatest thing any dad has ever done in Shakespeare for their kid. So I'm I'm gonna have a really hard time uh, arguing anything against that because I 100%, I am, <laughs> I am 100% with you there. I think that we do not talk enough about how much Aaron does for this baby at the end mm-hmm. of the play. Like I really don't, I, I think it is, such an overlooked and because the ending of Titus is so <laughs> wild <laughs> as it is like I think I think that Aaron's moment is overshadowed there and there's so much like you said that that flipped switch um it just his whole world is this baby and it is such a beautiful and like uh, there's so much behind it that I um I'll yell about it I'll yell I'll find something to yell about I mean, I I think that Aaron even overshadows it himself by saying his whole, my only regret I have is that I couldn't commit more atrocities. (laughs) And I personally like thinking that he does that on purpose, because if he were to make it obvious and focus on the fact that he cares about this child, they might be like, he's a terrible guy and we're going to kill the child because that's what would hurt him most. Sure. Uh, So I know I'm supposed to be like arguing against you, Megan. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but I would also like, I would, I would be yes, remiss please. if I didn't point out that what Titus Andronicus is about is the cycle of revenge yes. and by sacrificing himself for his child to live, I think that Aaron the Moor is essentially cutting off that cycle. Also, every father and like parent that you see in Titus Andronicus is terrible to their kids. What? Like, <laughs> I know it's a shock, but like, Marcus, Marcus, Marcus isn't isn't too awful. He's still not good though. Like, <laughs> both Marcus and Titus, when they find Lavinia after oh, she's been, God, yeah, horribly attacked, <laughs> yes, are just like, what is that? Like, you. Mm bad and marcus is like come on that's your daughter i mean she gross and nasty and disgusting and defiled now but still your daughter but i guess she's still your daughter and like marcus has his own issues but to be in a world where it's so obvious that so many people around aaron are so terrible to their children and don't care about their children except when it comes to 
like property basically yeah they treat them like objects all of titus's kids he has like 50 children or something that die and he's just like add it to the tally of my belongings that are now gone yeah and here aaron is like i will die for this baby i have known it for one day if anyone hurts it they are murdered horribly by me Mm -hmm. yeah no i um paragon I mean, okay, yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. He's, a terrible <laughs> He's a paragon, paragon of virtue. Uh. <laughs> There's a sliver of redemption in there. Um, okay, so Marquez, what about you? What about Falstaff screams best dad to you? What I think makes Falstaff the best dad is more so in comparison to Henry the Fourth as a <laughs> sure. dad, by comparison to the dad that Hal actually has, <laughs> Falstaff is a much better father. He plays games with Hal, like they play pretend. Uh, and I know that Hal is a fully grown adult. <laughs> so I'm thinking but... this through in my head. I'm like, they're playing pretend, and he's, you know, 35, like peekaboo Falstaff. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's literally like a 35 year old and like a 65 year old, like <laughs> playing pretend. But like, it's it's just fun. I, a lot of Henry the Fourth in the beginning is just a lot of uh, fun times between like people, really. Um, and uh, at, at first, you know, how pranks Falstaff into, you know, being a coward uh, at the robbery. And at first Falstaff is furious at Hal uh, for just not being there. And like, uh, and he makes up a lie about having to fight a lot of people. But then when Hal reveals that it was all a prank, uh, Falstaff is a little bit more good natured towards Hal. It's more just like, oh, well, I mean, I wasn't a coward. I, it's just this, there's this energy there of you, you, you're you not mad anymore when you figure out uh, that he calls him sweet wag several times in the play. Uh, it's very rare for uh, a adult to have a term of endearment uh, in a Shakespeare play uh, towards another grown man. Um, and so I like I feel that father attachment when he calls him sweet wag of just like and like uh, and there's uh, I think two times in the play that Falstaff uh, uses the phrase if I were if I were your own father I'd recognize you or like like at like and like that to me is just like perfect uh and sure he's a layabout sure he's a drunk sure Falstaff's <laughs> you know a womanizer uh but like Aaron it's not about being a good person <laughs> it's about being a good father uh and I think that the number one uh moment that I love is uh at the end of Henry the fourth part two when Hal is being coronated um you know, Falstaff wants to see him. And, you know, a couple people mentioned like, uh, and Falstaff himself mentions like, well, when we see him, like he will give us titles and we'll be living the high life. And I get it. It's like treating your son as an investment. Totally (laughs) understand. But listen, a lot of fathers do that. Uh, 
uh, to their sons and daughters and things. But I think, uh, you know, he goes up to Falstaff and he says, like, my king, my Jove, I speak to you, my heart. And again, there's just not a lot of people saying to other people that they're your heart unless they are in love with, like, like, like romantic interests. And this is not a romantic interest. This is, and so I feel that fatherly connection of an older man seeing this young man who's lost his way and, and sure he's helping him lose his way himself a little <laughs> bit, but like he treats him with uh, love and kindness and not with like, you should be this, this is what you need to be. Uh, you need to be king uh, and treats him with fatherly love, which is very rare. And, um, and I know that Shakespeare, I, I, I don't want to say what Shakespeare intended, but it's pretty <laughs> clear that being the king is a good thing. And like, you, you have, like, the whole point is Hal has to deny Falstaff. Uh, in order to become king. But I feel like in our day and age, um, I feel like that's just, uh, it's sad now. I, I know it's, it, it is, it probably wasn't sad then because it's like, oh, he has to be king. That makes sense, lineage and stuff like that. But like now we're like, oh no, he's cutting off like his heart. To, he, has, yeah. he has to be turned cold. And that's a, bad thing we're not arguing if hell's a good son because he's not <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I think Falstaff is a good dad because he loves him unconditionally yeah I think that's fair that I know the not old man is like the most heartbreaking and like I think for a good performance of it seeing it break Hal's heart is you know 90% of the battle there because it's just it shows how much of an investment uh Falstaff has put of his heart into Hal's and Oh, yeah. that's very it, sad yeah because i mean and they don't they like it's not it's yeah he's not his biological son but like found family y'all and mm -hmm. if you're you know you know spending your time with drink and wine and uh women and food like you know if falstaff <laughs> is your surrogate dad like why not yep <laughs> um but have the two of you considered that, in fact, Prospero is the best dad at all of Shakespeare? <laughs> um, and I will tell you why. I will tell you definitively why. Some dads will, you know, uh, ab abandon their children. Some dads will uh, disapprove of their children's ventures. Some dads will be cruel or harsh to their children. Uh, other dads will orchestrate an entire sea storm shipwreck just to give their children a chance at love. And have you really considered, you know, that, that Prospero's, there are some you know, hints of revenge tied in there as well, but they're not important. They're not important. He has Miranda's best interests at heart. She is his whole life. Um, 
in when she's you know when he's in a conversation with her sometimes um and he puts this whole thing together just to 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 find her a, a husband and then once you know once that husband comes he doesn't just say yes i approve he puts this husband through through trials and 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 work and uh just to really make sure that he is good enough for his daughter and that is that is um that you know Here's something actually good about Prospero. <laughs> Prospero grows through the Tempest. And I will say that as I will say, Prospero, <laughs> Prospero is awful. <laughs> um, Prospero is a bad person. I, I mean, we all, we all have someone to argue for that is a bad are bad, person. are yeah. bad people. <laughs> That's true. That's a common theme. Um, he's, a, he's not a good dad, but he grows and he learns and he is able to reconcile some of his um, past uh bitterness and and his frustrations and he he learns and we can my argument is for prospero after the tempest mm -hmm. my argument is going to be for the dad that he will be right we look at we look at aaron and i mean spoilers but it doesn't there's not great we're not you know looking good after the play falstaff spoiler also dies we yeah yeah don't see Prospero after the Tempest. So I am going to, you know, hands down win this argument just based off of the dad he will become and, and who he will be after this play has ended because he, <laughs> because he has the chance at, at, at being the father that Miranda deserves and at being the brother and family. Like he, wasn't suited for dukedom he wasn't suited for ruling but he has grown and he has become a, a more understanding and kinder and gentler and um forgiving person because of the actions of this play so you know what yes prospero will be shakespeare's greatest father and he's gonna be a dope af grandpa when miranda and ferdinand start having babies he is going to be the best grandpa you know like grumpy dads are usually the best when they're when they turn into grandpas because all of their like you know love starts seeping out and they like get really silly and cute and he's got those little scraps of magic left that like you know residual I don't know, after his books are burned, he's got some little nuggets of magic, like card tricks or something that like that baby is going to be like, oh my God, grandpa, I love magic, you know? He's got a good, he's got good stories to tell. Yes, yes, exactly. And he's no longer a colonizer. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, once, once, always. once yeah, I was going to say, once a colonizer. That doesn't really go away. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> He did uh, still do the colonization. Um. But he, but think about the future, you know, think about the, the positive um, impact that he's going to have moving forward. And I think that that's a great case for you, you know what, you are right. He is probably one of the only dads that isn't, uh, that isn't dead uh, <laughs> or uh, by the end of the play or onwards. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know what? That is actually a great argument. 
I will win based on conjecture and imagination. Thank you. Uh, Hey, if I can't win any other way, then I will take it. A technical win is still a win. win. You know what, listeners? We're going to leave it to you. Do you think that the best dad, or as we've been saying, the least worst dad in all of Shakespeare is Aaron from Titus, Falstaff from all of the Henrys, uh, not all of them. <laughs> um, just, just two. <laughs> Falstaff and Henry the Sixth. <laughs> Falstaff is, we just, instead of Anne Boleyn, we see Falstaff, Falstaff. instead, like getting Henry the Eighth all riled up. Um, hey. Or is it God, I want to see that. I'm sorry. I want to see that so bad. It's like he he tricks Henry VIII in the same way he tries to to do the wives in um, yes. Mary Wives. He like sends Henry VIII a letter and he's like, what's up? Elizabeth I is like, okay, so yes, I really liked Mary Wives. Thank you for writing that for me because I wanted to see more Falstaff. Could you actually rewrite uh, Henry VIII? But you, you all just, the wives are Falstaff. You just all don't see- In a different wig. You just don't see the scenes where uh, him and uh, Bardolph and Poins uh, say, okay, so I got married. I really need an heir now. Can somebody please get me a baby? It's like- somebody, Anybody got a baby? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, Aaron, Falstaff, or Prospero, you can vote on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash p2mpod or on Twitter at p2mpod. Megan and Marquez, thank you so much for being here. Um, let everyone know where they can find you. You can find our show at Avant Bard Pod, and we're that on every social media. Personally, I am tabletop underscore Megan. And I am uh, on Twitter at Marquez the GM. Because we also do tabletop things at Tabletop Potluck, if that's your cup of tea. Perfect. It's certainly the crossover between Shakespeare and TTRPGs is a much larger uh, cross-section of people than I initially would have thought. But what a great cross-section it is. (laughs) Um, Thank you both so much for being here. This was an absolute joy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you all next week. Thank you. I'm like, I have more arguments now. (laughs) That's it. It's done. (laughs) Serious business.